0: On behalf of everybody at HeritageRadioNetwork.com, we'd like to send a special thank you to the Hearst Ranch, our biggest supporter and longest-running sponsor since we first started in 2009. Hearst Ranch is the nation's largest single-source supplier of free-range, all-natural, grass-fed, and grass-finished beef. Since 1865, the Hearst family has raised cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of the Central California coast. The result is beef with extraordinary flavor that's as memorable and natural as the surrounding landscape. For more information, visit www.hurstranch.com.
1: Hi, and welcome to A Taste of the Past. I'm your host, Linda Palaccio, on this half-hour culinary journey of culinary history. And this past weekend was an absolutely gorgeous fall weekend here in the Northeast. And um, I was up at my home upstate a little ways from New York City and in my garden planting garlic for next spring. I, I try, I try, I try. I get it. But you know, it's not, not as good as i see in the markets all the time but i am determined so i get out there and i plant my garlic cloves because there's nothing better than to just pull that fresh garlic and and use that to cook with and and i i got to thinking i got to thinking about my guests today and i got to thinking about garlic and you know every chef uses garlic dishes aren't the same without garlic it's become one it's become our wonderful allium that we love, aside from leeks and onions. You can't cook a dish without garlic. It makes everything taste so good. And it's funny because it wasn't always accepted in America. In fact, a lot of the immigrants who came over in the uh, early 19th century, late 18th century and early 19th century were shunned because of the stench of garlic. And they were considered peasants and garlic eaters. And (laughs) how quickly things change and how we have embraced the cooking of the Europeans and particularly the Italians. And today I have a very special guest with me. My guests are all special, and but I consider her very special um, for her foresight into what would be popular in America. My guest is Amelia Tarragni, and she's the editorial director for fiden Press. And Feiden has just put out a brand new edition of The Silver Spoon. Now, If any of you remember a few years ago, the big splash this cookbook made, red, white, and green cover, the silver spoon. And in Italian, it was called Il cucchiaio d'argento. It is the Bible, it's been called, of Italian cooking. And indeed, it is the size of a giant, unabridged Bible. It's a big book, 1,500 pages of wonderful recipes, wonderful photographs. And the book was first published in 1950. Amelia, welcome. I want to hear more about this. Um, Tell me, the book has quite a history, right?
2: Yes, the book has a fantastic history because uh, it was a book that was published in 1950 in Italy. It was a little bit smaller than what it is now, (laughs) but uh, it was uh, already a collection of uh, recipes from all uh, the regions of Italy. So the publisher of this book, who actually was a magazine publisher, decided that there was uh, something missing and uh, that people really need to have uh, traditional, authentic recipes from all over all the country. All the regions.
1: It, uh, now, it contained mostly the regions of the north or the, the cooking of the north when, in the first publication?
2: In the first publication, was mainly focused on the north and the center of Italy, including Tuscany, Umbria and a little bit of uh, Lazio. And uh, mainly because uh, the uh, effort uh, to uh, collect all the recipes was a little bit too overwhelming. And uh, so already in the second edition, uh, that was uh, just a few years later, they started to include recipes also from all the other regions of Italy, including Sicily,
1: Sardinia and Puglia. Interesting, and and now in this um, English language version contains all of those, all of the the authentic regional recipes as well, right?
2: Absolutely, yeah. and uh, actually, in these uh, fifty years, of course, uh, the book evolved, and uh, it has been uh, continuously updated uh, by by the Italians. And uh, um, the interesting things is that uh, in a way. They uh, succeeded in keeping the authenticity and the traditional recipes, but also to adapt uh, to a kind of
1: modern uh, cuisine. Okay, so now we fast forward to 2005, and it was your idea to bring this book to the American public to get a translation finally after all these years? Well, as uh, all uh, the wonderful
2: project, it was a little bit by chance uh, because I was visiting uh, this publisher in Italy who is mainly a design publisher. Mm-hmm. And at the time I was uh, uh, doing design books. So I went to see this uh, Italian publisher just to see if there was any design book that we could do together. And uh, they just uh, I was with my publisher, who's English, and I am Italian. And, um, they just said, well, you know, we, we don't really do design books. Actually, to be fair, the only book that we ever done, it's, it's a cookbook. And they said, uh, you know, Cucina d'Argento. And I knew the book because uh, it's always been in my family. It was my book. It was my mother's books, my grandmother's huh. book. So I just said, oh, it's, it's a fantastic book. This is a really fantastic book. And my publisher said, okay, we should do it. And I said, well, we don't really do cookbooks. And they say, yeah, but if it's a good book, we should do it.
1: And that's how we started. Well, I mean, I, I can't believe, number one, I can't believe that it took so long to be translated into the English language. And number two, what a daunting task. It's yeah. n- n- not a small job to translate all those recipes into the English language, but then they have to be tested and, and, and the quantities have to be altered for the American market or the English market. You both, you did... An English version and an American, a British version and an American version? Yes,
2: we did. And actually, when we started, we we were quite naive. And I think that this is the reason why we started,
1: because uh, we had no idea (laughs) what we were doing. It didn't seem as hard as you thought it was, as it it ended up being, right? No,
2: we just (laughs) thought it was a certain number of words that we had to translate. And that was it. And then uh, we realized that uh, actually the way in which uh, English and American people Right recipe is completely different from how Italian did.
1: Explain that. What, What was that major difference that you noticed? Well,
2: the main difference is in the way you display the ingredients, because in Italian, you display them in order of importance. Mm -hmm. And uh, so if you have uh, chicken with lemon, you put first the chicken and then the lemon in the list of ingredients. While in the American uh, way of doing cookbooks, you put uh, the ingredients in order of appearance. Mm -hmm. So if you have uh, to start with the oil, you start with the oil and then you list the oil and then the lemon and then the chicken.
1: But I have to tell you that that. Format of recipes has only been codified as of late. Um, if you look at early cookbooks, it was the same as Italian. They were the, the ingredients were just all jumbled up, and it was primarily in the order of importance as well. And fo- I think I don't know who got together and decided how the recipe should be written, but now it is more or less. I guess we can say a codified version of yes. recipe writing. That you know it is the way the ingredients as they. I always
2: thought that the main reason is because uh, in Italy you just want to know which are the main ingredients because you always substitute the ones right, that, right. that are not uh, are not really the main ones. As That's, does any
1: good cook. I mean, you exactly. use it as a, as an outline, right? Yeah. And fill in the blanks.
2: <laughs> yeah. And the other the other the other main uh, task was to write the recipes and to explain them better because in the original book some of the recipes are really not explained, and this is mainly because. Uh, you assume that everyone in italy has a knowledge of cooking of basic cooking that uh, that is much much uh, deep than uh, uh, an american or an english person. yeah you know I,
1: I and i understood that this was the reasoning behind that it, you know there were basic ingredients but you know of course how quickly times change prior to um, a lot of these books you know recipes were really handed down as in most cultures mother to daughter um, they weren't really any list of of written ingredients because of the regionality too. Correct? I mean, there yes, was so exactly, many, you know.
2: exactly. And also, the, the the basic explanation that you do before really tackling the the recipes are never in the recipes. So it's <laughs> uh, it's it uh, was uh, our uh, the people who worked on the recipes they were laughing in the way the Italian wrote them and uh, there was a, i remember there was a recipe with a fish in which it was like take the fish and put it in the pan and uh, and i said oh you don't wash it you don't clean it you don't <laughs> so all these things that uh, for us uh, italians uh, sound absolutely normal and that you don't have really to read them down uh, for an american audience uh, we thought it was much better to to be more specific and to explain uh, the recipe's better mm-hmm.
1: and and it's interesting you yeah some of the earliest books in apicius or apicius that's exactly how the recipe it's very frustrating for a culinary historian for a food historian to go back and and try to to cobble together you know what a recipe would actually taste like because there are no ingredients there's no order of cook. there's no method of cooking actually it's just kind of they appear as well you would take this and do that and um I'm actually glad that the book is written the way it is now. People, I mean, and and a comment was made in the beginning by you or whomever the editor, the other you are the editor, but some of the other people putting it together that the way it is written now, it will train any person to be an Italian cook.
2: Yes, absolutely. Uh, I think that uh, the success of this book is because the recipes are really easy to follow they are very well explained and also Italian cuisine is quite simple so you don't have uh, a lot of ingredients so the great things about Italian dishes is that with like three or four ingredients uh, well uh, put together and well cooked uh, you can have a fantastic dish Mm -hmm. in
1: like uh, 10 minutes. Yeah. When I was uh, leafing through the book I have to laugh to say leaf through it. People will understand once they see it. it. It is a really big book. You sort of hold it and you you know, carefully turn some pages over because it's not like a magazine you can leave through. Um I but it was interesting to see that there are some sauces, some dishes, some techniques which appear that I said, well wait a minute, is this you know, these are the French names and the French versions, but those were the the classic I would guess, the classic versions of those sauces or dishes, which were codified in France and not in Italy. Is that why they appear? Well, like absolutely. There I
2: mean, there is always a, a kind of overlapping uh, between uh, cultures that are so close one to the other. Right. So we've always been uh, very close to the French, uh, very much enemies in terms of cooking. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> but there are some of the basic um, sauce or technique uh, that we absolutely share. And, uh, of course, uh, they will never be exactly the same, but they resemble quite a lot. Mm-hmm. But then always, of course, there is a kind of Italian
1: touch. Well, and, of course, uh, well, I I have to say I lived and learned to cook, actually, in Italy. And uh, I had to, you know, open the book. And my husband was the one to say first. He said, OK, quick, see how authentic is. Look up spaghetti alla carbonara. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I looked and it. There are certain recipes that you look at and you know immediately by looking at the ingredients that whether it's authentic or not. And every recipe I turned to was, in my opinion, you know, absolutely authentic, the way that I learned it from, you know, a mama in Rome. Of course, it was Roman cooking I learned and not, you know, not Northern cooking.
2: And actually, this is uh, quite interesting because this is mainly also the way in which the book is used in Italy. Mm -hmm. Because very, very often you have this endless... uh, discussion about food while you are eating that i found it quite interesting so you are eating and you are talking about food and then you discuss the recipes and there is always someone say oh you have to put cream in the carbonara and Mm -hmm. yourself no no way and there is always this discussion okay look up in the silver spoon and see if it's really like this or not so it's really used as a kind of definitive bible that's right to see if the recipes that you are doing are the traditional ones. It is, I mean
1: it's encyclopedic in, in the inclusion of the numbers of dishes and techniques and sauces and it's really um, I think an excellent reference book that anyone interested in Italian cooking would have or should have on their shelves. My question is where was it all my life? Well first of all I know that it wasn't translated into English but when I was living in Italy a lifetime ago I was not aware of this book um, Now that is in part due to my ignorance <laughs> and, um, and not having the facile the, the, with reading Italian. I learned to read Italian through recipes through cooking but um, if I, I always know about the Talismano della Felicità Adaboni um, and, I, and that was my go-to book and I wasn't aware of this book um, and wasn't out shopping around for recipes and then when it finally came out I went ah oh, so this is what I was missing all those years, and it's interesting that I'm well what happened um I read in the in the press notes, of course, is your first printing in two thousand and five of the english the ver- English language version sold over a million copies yes I mean, it was a runaway success. yes, right?
2: it was absolutely a great success, especially exactly because it's uh, it's the authentic book and uh, I think that uh, in Italy. Almost everyone has it, but it's a book that is uh, considered... Uh, it's not a celebrity book uh, it's a mm-hmm. book that doesn't really have an author so it's a book that uh, you buy for uh, your daughter at the time uh, when, when when someone gets married no, always, the must
1: have uh, wedding gift yes.
2: <laughs> and now it's even, I, I see mothers given to, to their children when they go to university for example mm-hmm. because uh, it's it's a book but it's not a book that really you you talk about it's a kind of given, you have it in the kitchen. It's, and, well uh, for
1: us like our like the joy of cooking exactly so it's
2: uh, it's a book that um, we don't uh, we don't really advertise it with foreigner people because it's something that is very domestic it's Mm -hmm. very intimate in Mm -hmm. a way and And I think this was the reason why uh it was uh, no one thought to to translate it because uh, they thought that uh, it was something that was so italian right. that uh, it couldn't it couldn't do him well in outside unlike
1: today's celebrity driven yeah you know, chef driven cookbooks and, well tell me about the task of of doing this book i mean you use you had to use i would imagine uh whole cadre of cooks and and uh, yeah, recipe the, testers yeah
2: right? and also the um, we had also to test them uh, in uh, UK and in the US, uh, because the American uh, stoves a, yes, and American pots different. and pans, and, and also because the um, the translations of uh, of the um, of the ingredients in the measurements, terms of cups yeah. and spoons, and uh, especially for the baking that is the most difficult yes, one, yeah. we had to um, to to test them and uh, to see if uh, if they work and to adapt it. And actually, in this new edition. Uh, we did uh, a little bit more work on it uh, because uh, during this year we received a complaint and some critics and about recipes, so this doesn't work. So whenever we have received, we have taken it very, very seriously. Sometimes we just go back and say, I'm sorry, but... You can't cook, so yeah.
1: that's the main reason. You don't
2: need a recipe. Yeah. We
1: told you what but, it was about. But
2: actually, sometimes there were uh, there were little mistakes, and and we we took them very very seriously, and we retested them,
1: and and we corrected. Now, is that the reason for this? New edi- edition, or well,
2: the main the main reason for, for it's only the new we're only edition, talking a few years. Yes, right. it's just a few years. Um, we did. Uh, uh, there was one thing that was completely missing. That uh, probably due to our navité we didn't really realize it. There were no uh, cooking time and uh, preparation time. Oh my goodness! Uh, they were embedded in the recipes in a way, but they were not separated with the ingredients, and uh, and that was something that uh, was really missing because uh, you see. The recipes and before you even start to read it, you want to know how long will it take. Right, and and it's very interesting because then you will see that most of the recipes they're really quick, and uh, so it's it's a
1: real it's real plus. for, well, for, and, for the book, yeah. Once again, I mean cooking time was always you could always glance down, you could see at what temperature for how long, you know. But this the preparation time. This is something very very new to the American uh, cooks as well, and I think it was something that started with some of the magazines. Uh, whether it was, I don't know, whether it was a Bon Appetit magazine or... um Or not, but that's that they gauge the preparation time. It's a very new thing to come along with recipe and I think it's very it's
2: very very useful because uh, there are there are um, for some dinner you want to spend or you have uh, the time to do more complicated things, and uh, other times you really want to do a nice dinner and you you don't have the time, so you just want uh, before you start even thinking about what to do, you just
1: want to know that uh, in the time you have. But you can do whatever you want. Well, it's interesting. In the um, beginning of the show, I was talking about how how Americans didn't accept well, they didn't accept foreign cooking at all. Americans, we weren't we're such a young country, but it was pretty much English and Dutch foods. Um, and little by little. The cultures were accepted, and the, they found the dishes tasted really good. Like spaghetti joints became very popular, and bohemians in downtown New York. But it's what's interesting is that the foods that transcended the borders most, and of course first, and interestingly enough, interesting to understand, e- easily to understand, uh, were things like pizza and red sauce spaghetti,s and because those were the immigrants coming from you know the Naples region and the in the Sicily region, bringing their foods with them. And I thought that it was interesting that the cookbook, the original version of the Cucchiaio Dargento, had mostly only the North regions represented in it, and the food that that really won the hearts of of uh, the American public from the immigrants were the southern foods.
2: And actually the same things uh, happened in Italy because after the war there was a big immigration from the south to the north mm-hmm, that's and true. they in Italy. they definitely brought a completely different uh, culinary uh, culture. Uh, for example in the, I am from the north but in the north olive oil is quite a recent addition uh, because uh, early on they were using only butter. Butter, you were butter, butter and cheese. And and even pasta, especially dry pasta, Mm -hmm. is something that comes uh, from Naples. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the north, you used to have a little bit of fresh pasta and a lot of rice because that was uh, what was produced. And uh, with all this new immigration, there was a complete new diet that came from the south to the north and has been completely adapted and adopted. (laughs) And and now you, of course, uh, spaghetti pomodoro you find everywhere in the country. The same with pizza.
1: Yeah. Well, and you say too in this book that um, a lot of the very well known dishes, such as pizza and spaghetti dishes, you know, are represented in this book. But you kept even the dishes that were considered more home type dishes or very um, local dishes, like papa alla pomodoro yes. or a Tuscan bread soup, or ribolita. Yeah, ribolita, right.
2: Yeah, and also we, we really wanted this book to be as traditional as possible. Mm-hmm. One, one of the big questions that we had when we published it was uh, what you do with variety meats. That is not really something that Americans like or that they are used to cook. Mm-hmm. Or even veal, for example, is not very popular. But um, this is really what Italians eat. And uh, mm-hmm. in this book you have over 2,000 recipes. So if you don't like it, don't do it. But uh, it's interesting <laughs> just to read it and to understand the culture through the food.
1: Right. I think we are growing as a, as a country Americans, we are maturing in our tastes and, and yes, we're using more organ meats and lots of, veal. to meet veal is like this, that's the other white meat anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, it's interesting because you, the, uh, I say this book escaped my radar while I was living there. And, uh, and yet a book that was driven by somebody who was a a particular personality. Now Ada Boni was you know the godmother of of Italian cooking for many people. And her book was well known to me as well as Luigi Carnicina. Mm-hmm. He was you know another great uh Italian cook and authority on Italian cooking. And there again, they were books driven by personalities, as opposed to this book, which is more like an encyclopedia, you know, yes, like, a, like a dictionary, an encyclopedia, a, you know, a bible, a you know, reference book, of and the also
2: the way in which they collect the family. They really went throughout the country to collect recipes in uh, home. Uh, small trattoria people who loves food so it's something that was done with uh, the aim really to have all the recipes that people cook at home
1: huh. interesting and that that it's you can just pretty much open up and think of any recipe in any, any any dish you've ever eaten in an italian restaurant or on a trip to italy and just open the book you will find it yeah, it's absolutely. there yeah they're all there one thing I wanted to ask you about as well um, was the um, uh, the tradition of cookbooks, something that was mentioned early on. This book was not written or published until 1950. I mean, there were other versions of it, I think, right? Yes. But it wasn't published until 1950. Prior to that, a lot of the cookbooks were really geared and aimed towards the affluent Yes,
2: absolutely. I mean, uh, the the change that uh, Italy went through uh, the first half of the 20th century was uh, quite, uh, quite amazing. I mean, it was really, really a poor country at the beginning of the century, mm-hmm. and very, very slowly it went through uh, different wealth. And it was only after the Second World War that uh, there was uh, people who could really eat properly. While before it was only the high class that could really had a proper meal and a very very good food mm-hmm.
1: so and especially too, especially again, in the cities. Yeah, I, I mean, was going to say, and, and, and once again, the di- g- dichotomy between the north and the south. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Even if with the food that was, uh, the south always have a very good tradition of good food. And because the produce were there, and and the cuisine is quite a humble cuisine. Mm-hmm. So you didn't really need to spend a lot of money. No, they had the fresh ingredients. Exactly. But um, but yes, the cookbooks were only for a certain class, and uh, and I think that this was the reason w- also why this book was particularly successful because uh, it was in the moment in which people began to be a little bit better, and so they had the money also to buy cookbooks and to to learn or to. Practice would have learned from from their mother or from their grandmother. So this idea of having the recipes uh, spread out a little bit more, and uh, and the book could reach uh,
1: many many people. Mm-hmm. That's great. And, and uh, I think about some of the books even earlier on, uh, like at the end of the eighteen hundreds. There's like the Artusi. Yeah, I was going to say Pellegrino Artusi, La Scienza della Cucina, absolutely, um, the science of, of Cooking and, and the art of good eating But also in the
2: way theirtoth is written, it's quite obscure, and it was absolutely aimed to people who have a very very high education mm-hmm. uh, so it was you had in, to be
1: able to read number one
2: yeah <laughs> first, but even even if they could read it was written in a way that was extremely difficult. it was more
1: philosophical it, it, it was very was philosophical. philosophical.
2: And uh, while uh, the, the success of this book was really to have a very simple way of of uh, writing the recipes.
1: Yeah, and that's uh, that. So this is, I mean, this is just approachable from so many, so many angles. Um, this, uh, the new Silver Spoon. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a very approachable book. It looks big. It looks intimidating, but it is very approachable. I think something that I would... Yeah
2: and the other thing that we did with this new edition is to add more photography because uh yes. of course you can't have a photo for for each of the recipes because uh, 2000 is not possible but uh we also understand that having an image of a recipe is, uh, really makes a difference
1: and there are I mean you say you can't have a, a picture for every single recipe but there are a lot of yeah. a lot of pictures and I mean yeah. beautiful photographs in there that really they and everything looks very homemade it looks homemade. it doesn't look Mo- too modernistic, too, you know, it's, and almost some of the pictures look almost dated, if you will. But that is the whole home spun on the dish.
2: Yeah, we were very careful to do, um, I mean, there are 400 photographs and to choose uh, recipes uh, that uh, um, there is quite a good variety so the photographs uh, uh, you can see how this specific recipe looks but it's also a guide for all the other recipes that do not have a photograph mm-hmm. and uh, we did in a, in a in a home uh, kitchen and uh, with really the idea to have something that you can replicate almost the same way mm-hmm.
1: Now, does Fiden publishers, do they own the rights to the Italian language version too? Or only no. the English language? No. Or just the
2: English language? No, no, no. no. We have done it in, uh, I think, uh, 12 languages. Well, I mean all the other languages, yes. right? Yeah. Yes. We, we own the rights
1: uh, uh, of all the languages uh, but Italian. Except Italian, right. What um, I wanted to, uh, one, what I'm asking you, in your opinion, and, of course, you're a little too young to remember a lot of what went on, but you know, for the American, from your research of the American public, I mean, what I know, what I relied on here in America, as far as going to different books to get some some authentic recipes or to check up on something. What do you think Americans? Re- what, what book? What author did Americans rely on before this was pu- was published in, in English? You
2: mean Italian book? Italian
1: yeah? cooking, yeah. I mean, we had Marcella Hezano. Yeah, I think think
2: Marcella Hezano was was probably... That was late. It was quite late. and um,
1: Giuliano Bujali. That's very late.
2: Um, I don't think there was anything really so comprehensive and so authentic.
1: Nothing as comprehensive. No, no, but also
2: to have uh, more than comprehensive that had quite a good variety of of dishes and that uh, were authentic enough.
1: Yeah, because when I started researching for this... Interview. I was thinking, what did what did American cooks rely on? I mean, really, a lot of Italian dishes came very late to the repertoire. I mean, we had French dishes, and then we had Julia Child, who published in 1960. But it was, you know, really until Marcella Hazan came along. And, and you know, a book that was really, um, to me, that I relied on a lot, because I needed to capture some of the Roman dishes that I, I did not learn when I was doing my training in Italy— um, and that was Franco Romagnoli, the Romagnoli's table, and that was published. That was published in 1972 or three, I think. That was very late.
2: Yeah, in the UK there were some small books by Elizabeth David.
1: Yes, well, Liz, well, of course, Elizabeth David's. Books, and
2: right. uh, well, it was more Mediterranean cooking, right. but there were a couple that were about uh, Italian. Uh, that were the first uh, probably um,
1: books about uh, authentic Italian cuisine uh, in the UK. And then there were the uh, the Time Life series, of course. Yes, early of course. on, and then the the beautiful books, the you know, the big table. The they were called it was called the beautiful book, but it was a like a coffee table book and. Uh, and that's what I always thought of as Feiden uh, publishers. They were always made beautiful coffee table books. So this is a, definitely a shelf book, and it's, and it's a great one. And for anyone who's wondering, where's a good go-to book when I want to know how to make just a regular dish of spaghetti, this is the book. And it's called The Silver Spoon. And it's a wonderful resource and, and guide. And I'm very pleased that the editor, Amelia Turani, I'm so pleased that you were able to be with me today to give us the background and secrets of The Silver Spoon. Thank you very much. Again, this has been A Taste of the Past, and I've been your host, Linda Palaccio.